Team presents The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, The Team. Jim and Cake today. It's Wine About a Wednesday. Brought to you by Talon Wine. All you have to do is got something you need to get off your chest. Send it to us or celebrate Todd Helton going into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Todd Helton joining Joe Maurer, Adrian Beltre, and uh, one-time Rockies manager Jim Leland. Woo-hoo! Going into the, uh, the Hall of Fame on July 21st. Got some uh, Todd Helton memories for some of you. You probably got to see him when he did his rehab stint here in Grand Junction with the then Grand Junction Rockies. Let's see. Uh, let's see. We got one. I'm going to... Uh, we'll get to this in a little bit. Um, it's a fairly long text about Baseball Hall of Fame, about numbers, things ah. like that. Gotcha. So we'll, we'll get to that because it's... Uh, it's going to take a little while to dig through. Not the longest text I've ever had, but got to get through it a little bit. So um, anyway, we'll uh, we'll set that aside. Coming up a little bit, we'll talk with Tom Reed, who was an All-State quarterback for Fruto Monument back in the 70s. Uh, he'll go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame, which is uh, next Friday, February 2nd, out at uh, Fruto Monument High School when uh, the Wildcat boys and girls basketball teams play host to Central High School. So uh, we'll talk with Tom Reed coming up a little bit. But uh, time right now to start out the 9 o'clock hour with the voice of the CSU Rams, Brian Roth. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth, on the Jim Davis Show. All right, Brian Roth joins us this morning. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Doing well. Thanks, Jim. How are you guys? I'm doing fine. Always appreciate the time. Uh, Anything that Brian Roth needs to get off his chest today? Oh, man, no, life's good. Uh, not much to get off my chest, other than the fact that I'm in Reno, Nevada right now. <laughs> what, uh, what, what is that? I forget, what's their slogan there? Biggest, the little, biggest c- little city in the world. Biggest little city in the world. Okay. So when, you, when you're there... <laughs> Sounds very Napoleon. No kidding. <laughs> Sounds like somebody has a complex of some kind. I don't know. Um, what, what does Brian Roth do to kill some time in, in Reno? Um, not much. Hang out in the hotel room. <laughs> you know what? That you know that's not so. We, we're staying kind of close to downtown, and it's really interesting. I mean, you 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 picture Vegas with with it just always popping, right? And then it's downtown Reno, where all the casinos are. Not all of them. There's some of the outskirts of town that are kind of the bigger casinos. But I mean, you go to Vegas, and there's people everywhere, right? I mean, everywhere. You hear, and I know it's. It's, it was a Tuesday night last night, but I mean, the streets were almost deserted. It's just—it's weird. It has an eerie. It's like—it's like an apocalyptic Las Vegas. If that makes any sense. Apocalyptic <laughs> Las Vegas. I expect like yeah. walkers, zombies, to be walking down the street or something like that. That well, sounds—it it feels like that at times. <laughs> okay, here's another question for you. Have you ever shot a man in Reno just to watch him die? 
<laughs> Johnny Cash wanted me to ask you that question this morning, by the way. That's right. But, but I will say this. I mean, there, there are some really nice spots in Reno. Obviously, Tahoe is, what, 45 minutes away. Um, some of the casinos on the outside of, of like, Atlantis and Pepper Mill that are not downtown are, are actually fun casinos to go to. And, uh, they're, they're very nice parts of Reno, but you know, think of Reno as, you know, of gambling and, and, and casino hotels downtown. It's just, it's, it has a weird feel to it. Brian Roth in Reno, Nevada, joining us this morning on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Well, you did face the team from Las Vegas, though it was at Moby. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't in, uh, in Las Vegas uh, this past weekend, but uh, picking up a 78-75 to 75 victory. So the, the Rams uh, getting the win against a UNLV team that's been playing some, some pretty good basketball. Well, yeah, they, they had uh, until last night. Uh, they got smoked at home to Air Force. UNLV did last night in Vegas. Uh, that notwithstanding, yeah, I mean, this, that was UNLV team that came into Moby Arena. I thought playing with some confidence. They won at Boise State earlier this year. Uh, they they beat New Mexico in Vegas. I mean, so they've, they've beaten some of the upper echelon teams. And, and it really had the feel in that game that they were going to beat another upper echelon team in Colorado State. I mean, they UNLV really controlled that game from the opening tip. Um, they were hitting the glass. They were really good defensively. And, yeah, you get to halftime, and, and all of a sudden the Rams are down 39-32 at the intermission. And, and you're going to the locker room thinking to yourself, wow, I mean, this is a supremely athletic UNLV team as they are each and every year. And, man, they were shooting the ball well. Uh, they were playing good basketball and just kind of felt like, man, CSU had to had to do something at halftime to, to turn that game around. Well, you get out in the second half, and, and again, that's a sold-out Moby Arena. It was the third sellout here of the season uh, for Colorado State. So, so the arena was packed. It was an orange out, and, and the crowd was just kind of waiting for something to happen. You get in the second half, and next thing you know, that seven-point deficit all of a sudden's up to 10, and UNLV is leading by 10, 13 minutes to go. And just had that feeling of one of those games where, you know, the Rams just didn't have it. And UNLV was going to come away with the win. But, boy, lo and behold, CSU finally threw it into gear. They finally got it going. They were able to race the deficit. And then in about the five, last five minutes of the game, Colorado State, and really Isaiah Stevens in particular, just took over that basketball game. And, and the Rams were able to pull it out 78-75. Yeah, Isaiah Stevens finishing with 18 points. But a couple transfer guys, Nick Clifford from CU uh, and also Joel Scott from, from Black Hill State, 21-14 and 14 for Clifford and Scott. And so uh, they were the uh, they were in double figures. Uh, Patrick Cartier did have 10 points in that game. But, but those two guys uh, certainly helped uh, uh, the Rams pick up that victory against uh, the Rebels. Well, it was good to see Joel Scott, too, kind of get back uh, on track. And, of course, you know, you guys know Joel from his time at Black Hill State, was Division II National Player of the Year last year. Comes to Colorado State for his final year of eligibility, and 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 he he's played well this year. But once we've kind of gotten into conference play, I mean, Joel Scott has seen some of the numbers go down. And you know, just talking to Ram fans, and I have had some of the questions too. It's like, oh, what what's happened to Joel Scott? Maybe the the game that that he had. You know, in, in Division Two, isn't translating here to to Division One. It did in the non-conference, but you know, scouting reports get much better once you get into conference play. Uh, they start taking away a lot of your sets uh, offensively, and 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 start really being um, you up in a way that you can't be as effective. And and just started wondering if Joel Scott maybe had kind of reached that point. But 
man, he had his confidence back. And that's really good because Colorado State's going to need Joel Scott to be a, a, a pivotal key contributor as they head to the rest of the Mountain West Conference late. 14 points against 7 of 9 from the floor and just looked like the Joel Scott that we had seen earlier in the season. <clears throat> as far as Nick Clifford, I mean, he's been he's been really good all season long, Jim. And, 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 it's, and it's fun to watch a, a player kind of have um, – you know, kind of a rebirth, if you will, and obviously spent the, the, the three years at, at Colorado and, and kind of lost some of his confidence last year with the Buffs and, and needed a change of scenery. But you look at what Nick Clifford's been able to do, you know, 14 points per game. He's shooting over 60% from the floor. He's shooting 53% from deep. I mean, the kids had 26 of 49 threes here this season. He's 86% from the free throw line. Uh, he's the leading rebounder for Colorado State at, at nearly six and a half boards per game. And, and as we've talked about, Nick Clifford gives the Rams length that they just haven't had in previous years. And, and you look at a lot of these teams around the Mountain West Conference, they, they, they have those athletes and the, and the length. And, and CSU hasn't really had that. But they get it with Nick Clifford, and he has just been absolutely dynamite to I me. Mean, He's the second, clearly the second best player on this team behind Isaiah Stevens. Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams, joining us today on the Team Sports Network. He's in Reno as the uh, Rams will take on Nevada tonight. And, and right now, Colorado State sitting in fifth in uh, conference uh, play with a three and two conference mark. Nevada, they're currently in seventh with a, a two and three record. And, and Brian, you look at uh, what Steve Alford has, uh, you know, these 14 and five against CSU. Uh, a lot of those wins, of course, came when he was at New Mexico, one of his many stops along his coaching journey. But uh, the Wolfpack, uh, they have uh, three scores averaging double figures. Jared Lucas, 17 points per game. Uh, Keenan uh, Blackshear uh, is averaging almost 16 points per game as well. So a couple of uh, really talented scores in Lucas and Blackshear. Well, just just phenomenal athletes too, and and, and you talked about Lucas. He was a, one of the big time gets for for the Mountain West Conference last year in the transfer portal. He started his career at uh, Oregon State, and, uh, was a, was a second team All Pac-12 player there, and then went into the transfer portal. And, and Nevada landed him last year, and you know he was a second team All Mountain West Conference performer last year, and, and really one of the best shooters in the entire nation. I mean. Uh, if Lucas gets a good look from three, I mean, forget about it. He's he's going to knock it down. It's just the the way he is. He he can sometimes be a little selfish, uh, a guy that hunts his shots, and when it's not going, uh, his the rest of his game could take a hit. Um, but a phenomenal player that can certainly light you up for twenty five on on any given night. And then and then the Blackshear kid kind of burst onto the scene last year. I mean, he was a nice player two years ago, and then last year started to take over some games. He had a couple of game-winning shots in Mountain West Conference play last year. And, you know, 6'6", six, six, probably one of the best athletes in the entire Mountain West Conference. And, and he's a capable, good three-point shooter. But what he really likes to do is, is is take folks off the bounce, like clear out for him, and really let him get downhill going into the paint to either either dish or, or try to finish at the rim and, and certainly get to the free-throw line. So, I mean, those two guys are – as talented offense, as talented offensive players that, as, as there are in the Mountain West Conference. Then you have a, a kid like Trey Coleman's been there six years. I mean, it's an old Nevada team. I think it's the oldest team in the in the Mountain West Conference. I mean, they got dudes that are all five and six year guys. 
Uh, and then the Coleman kids, six foot seven, and one of the best athletes in the conference. And, and, and while not a great offensive player, he is one of the best defensive players, especially with that length of six foot seven in the Mountain West Conference. And so, you know, this is a Nevada team that I think everybody expected to be good. I mean, you went into the season saying there's five teams in the Mountain West Conference that, that really look like the cream of the crop. And, and Nevada certainly was in that. Uh, they only lost one game of the non-conference, came in here to conference play. And now all of a sudden the wheel's getting shaky. They have lost three straight games. So this is a pivotal game for them here tonight. Rams at Nevada tonight, and then Saturday, uh, you're off to Laramie, where it's uh, Border War in the Hardwood, Rams and uh, the Wyoming Cowboys. Uh, and right now, the Wyoming right behind CSU in the, in the Mountain West Conference standings. Sam Griffin for them, averaging over 18 points per game. And we always know that it's uh, it's a lot of fun when when the Rams and Cowboys score off. It, it can be tiddlywinks. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's always a lot of fun when those two uh, collide on the Hardwood. Oh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a grind up there. There's no question. And you know, it's a Wyoming team that they played San Diego State well last night in San Diego before the Aztecs pulled away, and a Wyoming team that defeated this Nevada team. The Rams are going to face. They defeated them on Saturday and put up 98 and knocked down I think 13, 15 threes on on Nevada. So it's a Wyoming team that's completely new, Jim. I mean, they I I believe only had one player that uh, returned from last year's team. And they had a mass exodus of players. Jeff Linder has had to kind of regroup there, and, and he's a terrific coach. I mean, there's just make make no two ways about it. I mean, he's one of the best X's and O's coaches in the Mountain West Conference. And so, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting stretch because you know CSU has San Diego State coming up next Tuesday as well as home, and so you get a tough road game tonight, Jim, against a Nevada team that's going to be desperate. I mean, all of a sudden Nevada's on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. And certainly their conference championship hopes are, are kind of on life support here early on in the season if they don't turn it around. So this is a game that Nevada, I mean, looks at and says, hey, if we're going to win a conference championship and if we're going to make it to an NCAA tournament, this is an opportunity to pick up a quad one win tonight against Colorado State. So the Rams are going to get Nevada's best shot here tonight. CSU still looking for their first big road win in conference play. Then you get to turn around and go to Wyoming, and then you get San Diego State at home. So a really interesting stretch here for Colorado State. But, man, you would you'd love to get a road win. You'd love to get two road wins. But, you know, at, at some point you're going you're gonna to have to start winning away from Moby Arena. All right, 8.30 tonight for that one. Uh, Rams at Nevada, and then 2 o'clock Saturday at Wyoming. You can catch uh, Brian's call on the Varsity app. Just a couple of other housekeeping things, Brian, before we let you go. Uh, the passing of Larry Zimmer last weekend, longtime voice of the Colorado Buffaloes. And I know you, like myself, we've lived here a very, very long time. And uh, there's no doubt at some point you you heard Larry Zimmer call a whole lot of either Broncos games or Buffs games back in the day. And uh, just you know, one, one of the all-time great gentlemen, one of the all-time great broadcasters we've had here in the state of Colorado, sadly passing away at the age of 88. Well, without question. And, and you know, I, I remember listening to Bob Martin as the play-by-play guy. Larry Zimmer was his color analyst. And Bob was one of the all-time greats. And then you get Larry Zimmer that slides into the Broncos' play-by-play role, who was absolutely terrific. I mean, those two are by far the pinnacle of Denver Bronco broadcasters. You, you, you can't say much more about those two. But, you know, Larry Zimmer grew up listening to him, Jim. And then in college, um, 
you know, I was interested in getting into into radio and the sports broadcasting, and uh, I applied for an internship at KOA, and remember Larry calling me and asked me to come down to his office and walk to his office. I was like, I can't believe I'm I'm talking to the Larry Zimmer, and I ended up interning for Larry for two years at KOA, and just really opened my eyes up to the sports broadcasting world, the radio world, and and he became a mentor uh, to me, and then he was. Uh, a big part of, of helping me land a job at Colorado State some 20 years ago and has just been somebody that I've leaned on over the course of, of, of the last two-plus decades and have come to for advice if I've had broadcast issues or you know, try to find jobs and move my way up into the broadcast world. Larry Zimmer was there every step of the way, and you know whenever we'd play Colorado, uh, I'd always sit down for a, a nice 15, 20-minute chat with Larry. So one of the all-time greats, uh, certainly probably my biggest broadcasting mentor that uh, that I have had. And, you know, he, uh, he, he will be missed. He was a great man. Yeah, no doubt about it. We were lucky enough to have him on our show a few times and just a uh, tremendous broadcaster, tremendous human being. Uh, certainly losing a great one with, uh, with the death of Larry Zimmer. And then uh, we go from something very sad uh to something very happy and that's todd helton going into the <laughs> baseball hall of fame we he finally he finally pushed it across the finish line he crosses home plate to get to the hall of fame nothing's easy for the colorado rockies no it? right i mean nothing comes preach right <laughs> he's uh i mean deserving i mean it's ridiculous that it's, it's taken that long it's like larry walker i mean larry walker's a hall of fame player finally you know finally got in and, and great to see Todd Helton finally get in because, you know, you talked about one of the all-time uh, great hitters in the in the history of Major League Baseball. Certainly he is it. And I'm trying to think back of uh, what was the year that Jeff Kent won the MVP? Oh. What was it, 02 maybe? Uh, Sounds 02, right. I mean, it, you know, Helton should have won the MVP that year. I think he hit like 373, had like 47 home runs and 100 and, uh, you know, 40 RBIs. And, and yet, for some reason, he didn't win the MVP that season, got completely robbed. I think he finished like fourth or fifth. And, you know, obviously the course field biased and, and whatnot. But, like, I mean, that was one of the great all-time seasons in the history of, of baseball and one of the most consistent hitters in the history of baseball, too. So great to see. Yeah, I'm trying to find the year. It's not showing the year, but Jeff Kent, and it was Barry Bonds, and then Todd Helton finished fifth in the voting. Fifth, right? Yeah, I mean he had a obviously really sensational season. Yeah, and <laughs> like what are we doing here? Like his numbers that year were eye popping, and of course, national media and the East Coast media in particular just discounted it all, discounted it all because. He played at Colorado. Yeah, he Helton hit three seventy two. That's when he was chasing four hundred, and people were like, hey, he might he might right. catch Ted Williams. And uh, slugging percentage was six ninety eight. Uh, he had fifty nine doubles, hit forty two home runs, scored one hundred and thirty eight runs. Jeff Kent's numbers: he had three thirty four, thirty three homers, one hundred and twenty five RBIs. He didn't suck, but certainly Todd Helton's numbers were pretty damn impressive so i mean right he, he had almost and, and of course he was I mean, at 372 in the, in the field yeah absolutely right. <laughs> yeah and i hated jeff ken anyway he was a jerk so I, he was a, i mean he was a giant too he was a giant and he was a giant jerk as well 
So uh, two, things, <laughs> two, two reasons to not like uh, Jeff Kent. Hey, I uh, always appreciate it, Brian. Have a great call tonight. Uh, uh, hopefully the Rams can, can get one on the road tonight. Always appreciate the time, my friend. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Jim. All right. Uh, there's Brian Roth. He never did answer my question. You notice that? When I asked him if he shot a man in Reno to watch him die, he never said he didn't. Well, that's that's the first rule. It's plausible deniability. He did also he did not confirm, but he also did not deny. Those sorts of questions you really shouldn't answer without a lawyer. <laughs> Brian's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. All right, uh, nine twenty, and uh, coming up next, uh, we'll talk with Tom Reed. He'll go into the Wildcat uh, Hall of Fame next Friday. Uh, All State quarterback for the Wildcats back in the seventies. Uh, We'll have that next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com. Good morning, gentlemen. What are the haps? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking through the monument Wildcat sports on the Jim Davis Show. With us right now on the team line, he'll go into the Fruto Monument Wildcat Hall of Fame next Friday. Tom Reed joins us, a former All-State quarterback, and also a state wrestling champion. Tom, I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on this morning for a few minutes. Hi, hi Jim. How are you? Doing fine. The voice sounds perfectly fine, Tom. You sound great. Thank you. Yeah, I've been fighting a flu or a cold, so bear with me. Well, I, you sound you sound perfectly fine to me, sir. It's great to have you on with okay. us. Okay. It was good. It was good to okay. very briefly visit with you last night out at the the basketball games, but uh, congratulations on going into the Wildcat Hall of Fame. Uh, kind of take me through when, when you when you found out that you are going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't know if you did a little fist pump like uh, Todd Helton did yesterday going to the Baseball Hall of Fame, but uh, but what was your reaction when you found out you are going into the Wildcat Hall of Fame? Uh, well, it's uh, uh, quite an honor. Uh, it's, it's, you know, something that's been, uh, well, happened almost 50 years ago, so... I'm still shaking the cobwebs out on some of that stuff, but uh, uh, you know it's it's going to be quite an honor, and I'm I'll be very very uh, proud to be a part of that. Now let's go through the resume. We'll start out with football. All state quarterback. You were three back of the year, your senior year. You led the state in passing. Uh, junior year, second in the state in passing. You were all conference in the Southwestern League. Two year starter at quarterback. You were a three year letterman. Uh, for the Wildcats back in, in the 70s. You're the 1976 Steinmark Award um, for Colorado's Most Outstanding Athlete. And so uh, the, the Steinmark Award, obviously, that's uh, that's award an award in the state that has a lot of prestige to it, kind of up there with uh, the uh, gold helmet uh, presented by the Denver Post. So uh, for what you accomplished on the football field, some some incredible accomplishments, Tom, uh, for you back in the 70s. Well, uh, you know, the football our team was made up of, uh, we had like 20 some seniors on the team and we, uh, uh, you know, started an offense and a defense. Nobody really went both ways. So that was just Coach Herman's, uh, uh, philosophy. And, uh, you know, we, we were a decent ball team. You know, we had kids where we all worked hard at it and, uh, you know, we were a pretty, uh, a tight knit group and, uh, uh, it was just uh, a good, good football team. Now I mentioned that uh, you were uh, you led the state in passing um, in, in your senior year. We think about Fruto Monument now, and uh, Cam Ross and the Wildcats. They're 
are definitely a ground and pound team. They, they throw the ball a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, I mean, back in the 70s, uh, I mean, how much were you th- throwing the football around the field for the Wildcats back then? Uh, you know, it, uh, back then he didn't throw a lot. I, 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 I think I was more of an option quarterback. But we, what we would do would be roll out almost on every pass play. Because I wasn't a very big kid. And, uh, you know, I, I, it was tough for me to see over some of these offensive linemen. So we always rolled out, so to speak. And, uh, and coach would tell me, he says, if nobody's open or if you feel, see, felt it was open out there, he says, we'll just take off and run. So, and, uh, you know, I, I would just, I like to tell people I, uh, I just ran like a scared rabbit, you know. So it, it, somebody tried to catch me and, and, uh, uh, it was, that's just how I felt out there. And of course, you had some some big matchups with Grand Junction. But Pete Cyphers was Tigers' quarterback that period of time, if, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah, he was. Uh, he actually was a year ahead of me. Okay. My junior year, he was a senior, and uh, uh, they were a good football team. Uh, both years we played them. Well, actually, all three years. So, uh, and he never beat uh, Grand Junction before. But I did. Uh, I, was, I was going back. And thinking about some things, and and I was actually helping coach through the monument uh, two or three years later, and uh, uh, we finally got our first win against Grand Junction through the monument over Grand Junction in about 1978 or nine, and I, I was helping coach that team, so so that was a, a good win for us back then. Talking with Tom Reed, uh, who'll go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame. Uh, next uh, Friday night at a Turtle Monument High School. I think, uh, I'm trying to think, the team I played on in 82, I think we were like the second or third one to maybe get a win against Grand Junction. It uh, there, there hadn't been too many back then uh, for the Wildcats against Grand Junction. I remember uh, Pete Cyphers came on a program one time and uh, talked about uh, playing in one of those games against your Wildcats and uh, and people chucking beer cans at him. <laughs> You'd fall into the, the oh. snow fence around the field, <laughs> yeah. and back when they had the snow fence uh, around the field, the, the little temporary wood fence, and and he'd, he'd yeah. the sideline, and people would yeah. shove him back onto the field, and uh, just some some fun, crazy times back in the seventies when uh, uh, the the Tigers and the Wildcats would square off. And so, Tom, yeah. we move on from your your football career because there there's more to the resume here than just football. Uh, football alone would probably would get you into the the Hall of Fame, but. Uh, Wrestling, you're the 1976 state wrestling champion at 145 pounds. You won the Carl Cox Memorial Award, Southwestern League Outstanding Wrestler, two-time league champion and state qualifier, three-year letterman. So uh, the wrestling career, uh, also a very impressive uh, run as a Wildcat. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, that's also something I was was very proud of. Uh, winning a, a state title in my senior year, uh, it was... Uh, Something that uh, very hard to do, you know. You had to pitch. Took a lot of determination, a lot of sacrifice. Uh, you know, making weight all the time was tough. Uh, and you know, we, we as a team, we were also quite did quite well. And we ended up second at state just by a couple points. But but uh, we had uh, uh, very good wrestling teams and and. A great coach and Coach Pollock, you know, he, he, he coached there for 20, 25 years. As a matter of fact, uh, my senior year was his last year, and we came real, came real close to uh, winning that state title for him. 
but we ended up second by like two and a half points or something. So it was uh, quite a year for uh, you know our, our wrestling program as well. And then move on to baseball. Three-year letterman, two-year starter at second base. You're a two-time All-Conference player. You uh, led the league in hitting your senior year. You hit uh, all you hit was five sixty-six. That was all you did. Not nothing else. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I like to call my, myself a take two and, and go to right with it. So you know, I, I wasn't uh, a power hitter by any means, but uh, you know, I, I could put the bat on the ball most of the time. And uh, as far as being a second baseman. Uh, I didn't have the arm to be a shortstop, but I, I could play second base. So, so uh, you know, that's where I fit in. And and was, we had a good baseball team, too, back then. Uh, the same problem with us. We had uh, uh, Grand Junction with state champions that year in 1976. Of course, they had uh, Jim Haggerty and Ron Kovach uh, one two punch there for pitchers. And they were they were very, very good. Uh, I think they both got drafted out of high school, and uh, they were good ball players. And uh, that carried over into our summer summer baseball program with with Gene Taylor's, and and uh, you know that was always a, a good exciting time for me. And, and we we were uh, again uh, uh, a good ball club. And then you played, as you referenced, uh, the Gene Taylor's team, two American Legion baseball state championship teams. So you played. On on those teams, as far as your your, your summer ball, so a uh, couple of titles uh, with uh, with a, a combination of different uh, guys from around the valley playing on those teams. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, uh, kids from Central Grand Junction, Pruda, uh even a couple from Palisade, and uh, we were uh, uh, state champions two years in a row in American Legion ball, and uh, uh, the one year our my uh, second year playing, we had a record of like fifty some and twelve. When well, we were we were tough to beat, and uh, like I said, we had Harry and Kovach, uh, uh, Steve Morales from Junction, uh, the Star Brothers, and and, and uh, Keith Martin from Palisade, uh, uh, and of course the Taylor Boys from uh, Central. Uh, a lot of lot of known athletes uh, from around the valley. And then after that, you, you spent some time as assistant coach football. As you referenced uh, baseball and girls softball as well at Edford Monument. But uh, you went to college. You went to uh, to Northern Colorado, and then uh, you came back home to to go to Mesa State to kind of uh, wrap up the, the the college side of your academic career. Yeah, that's true. I, I spent one year at uh, UMC, and and I ended up. Uh, Leaving the team at that Division One wrestling, I, I actually was a starter as a, as a freshman there, and uh, that was a little bit uh, too much for me. I had guys, you know, my my shoulders were killing me, and, and these Division One wrestlers, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Oregon, uh, I held my own, but it was just too hard on me uh, physically. So I came back to Mesa. And, and the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference, and our, our season was a little more, uh, not quite as long, and they didn't, uh, uh, you know, expect quite as much out of me, I guess. So that worked out better for me. 
Well, I, I'm sure I know your wife and Patty and, and your kids, Leslie and Ryland and Casey, just uh, thrilled for you to, to go into the, the Hall of Fame. And I'm thrilled for you as well. I've obviously known your family a very, very long time. And uh, and, and so I'm thrilled for you, Tom, to, to get that chance to, to go into the, the Wildcat Hall of Fame. It's uh, very, very deserved. And I appreciate the time kind of taking a trip down memory lane this morning with you and, and your uh, fantastic uh, career as a Fruit of Monument Wildcat. I, I appreciate the time this morning. Okay, thanks, Jim. And i got to tell you, uh, Wednesday morning is uh, house cleaning around here, so you're getting me out of a lot of chores this morning, so okay. I appreciate the time. Okay, well, glad to do it. Do we, do we need to stay a little bit longer to make sure all the vacuuming's <laughs> done before? Uh, you know, so you oh, miss- Patty, you missed a spot over there. No, oh, oh, you're going to be in so much oof. trouble, man. Ooh, 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 Tom. Yeah, okay. You're playing with hey, fire. Okay, Jim. Playing with fire doing hey, that, Tom. Hey, appreciate it. Take care, sir. Thank you so much. There's a, okay, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, Tom Reed joining us this morning in the program. Getting out of uh, house cleaning duties this morning. He's going to get into trouble with the misses. Huh? I was going to say, that's hey, not going to last long. You missed a spot? Ooh. 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 I don't them, know if I've, I don't, them's fighting words I right there. I, I, would, I don't know if I'd want to do that. I mean, Tom and Patty have been married a long time, so I guess they, they, they their relationship, They uh, I think she probably knows when, uh, when to tell him to, uh, hey, Mister, why don't you hey, go take a hike? Patty would probably say something like, oh, you mean this spot over here on the couch where you're sleeping tonight? <laughs> Hope you enjoy that. Get Have your fun. Own, get your own blanket, by the way, buddy. All right, 936. Really appreciate Tom coming on with us. And uh, let's see, coming up on Friday, we're going to talk with uh, Caleb Marquardt, who won two state tennis titles at Fruta Monument High School. So he'll join us uh, coming up on uh, Friday in the program. Quick on-air production meeting. Um we will have uh, at some point on probably either tomorrow or Friday's program, I'm going to let you decide, uh, a certain Mesa basketball player that I'm recording his interview later this afternoon. Uh, so do you want to have that tomorrow or Friday? Oh, <laughs> uh, we could either day works. Uh, you, you tell me what works for you. Either one I'm- works. I think Friday would work because that's... I think that would be a we'll nice pre- precursor to, to We're not going to say thing. who this individual is? I think we call it, we leave that a... Okay, we'll, a we'll tease it. It's a mystery, so we'll leave it at that. It's a mystery. All right, so uh, that'll be coming up. The mystery Colorado Mesa basketball player, along with Caleb Marquardt, uh, coming up on Friday. All right, uh, 9.37 tomorrow, Mark Johnson scheduled to join us, voice the Buffaloes. We'll obviously talk about uh, the passing of Larry Zimmer with him. The two were very, very close. Uh, that's on uh, tomorrow's program. Also, Jerry Schimmel is going to join us tomorrow. Nice. Talk about Todd Helton going to the Hall of Fame and just give us a little little taste of uh, the Rockies getting ready for spring training, of course, next month. All right, 937, Jim along with uh, Cake. Time for Four Down Territory. We're into Four Down Territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, start things out with with First Down, which was an odd story from yesterday. The um, Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, is this the TNT CNN fiasco? Yeah. What? What on God's green earth? And so it, it's it's a bit of a bizarre story. A bit. Um, first off, I guess we need to back up a little bit about what happened yesterday beep, with beep, beep. with first year coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, Adrian Griffin gets fired, which makes no sense. Which is kind of bizarre because what they have the second best record in the league right now, 
And didn't you fire the last guy just because he couldn't get you over the hump in the playoffs? You don't even let this guy get to the playoffs before he can fail you. Mike Budenholzer, by the way, was the guy that got fired last year or last time out. I mean, the Bucks have the, the second best record in the Eastern Conference right now. They're 30 and 13. And, and Griffin supposedly got fired because they've taken big steps back defensively. They went from fourth in defensive efficiency last season to 22nd this year. Points per uh, direct pick, 33rd to 24th. Points uh, per direct drive, 2nd to 20th. So they've taken, and they've added Damian Lillard, but defensively they've taken some major steps back. So Adrian Griffin gets fired with the second best record in the Eastern Conference right now. Before he's even completed his first full year as head coach. So it looks like that ESPN, ABC, NBA, NBA analyst Doc Rivers has been the next head coach of the Bucks. But it also looks like that move has not been confirmed, contrary to a CNN sports report Tuesday night. As of this morning, CNN remains the only major outlet actually saying the deal is done, with many others saying it is not. And they've done so much with a CNN staff byline story that was first posted at 12.43 a.m. Wednesday, later updated with the only past comments from Rivers. And so they're saying, then also Bleacher Report, which is also owned by CNN, is saying that they're saying that the deal is not yet complete. So you're getting conflicting reports Real within, mixed. within the same media organization on whether Doc Rivers is actually the next coach of the Bucks. We'll see. So weird. So so weird that Griffin gets fired and then now is Doc Rivers gonna be the next coach? Jerry Goff's getting ready to lead the Lions into San Francisco in Sunday's NFC Championship game. Uh, Goff was on 97.1, the ticket in Detroit, does weekly spot with Doug Karsh and uh, Scott Anderson. And toward the end of the interview, uh, he was asked whether bulletin board material matters to him. Goff said, depends what it is. What do you got? And before Karsh could even finish the uh, say the name, Skip Bayless, Goff, quickly said, nah, I don't care about anything he says. Good for Jared Goff. You can, and he started laughing, or the guys started laughing on the show. You can stop now. Anything those guys say on daytime TV, you can skip over that. Ah, skip over that. Ah. Bayless said, congrats, Lions. You've won the right to get blown out by San Francisco, but hey, great year. Oh, Skip Bayless, you sad old wet blanket. I think Skip Bayless also, was he criticizing Jason Kelsey for trying to upstage Taylor Swift by taking his shirt off? Hey, but Skip. Then, but then Skip Bayless, the guy that likes to take his shirt off and have it on social media. And upstage everyone that he comes across. He's an idiot. Shut up, Skip. <laughs> Shut up, Skip. Shut up. Third down. Uh, semi-breaking news, I think. Okay. Uh, Pioneer League baseball. Oh, yeah. Is expanding. Uh, UC Davis, University of California in Davis, California. And Which the Pioneer League. I have been there to call a Mesa football game of the playoffs. <laughs> Did it feel Jim weird? Davis has been in Davis, California. At Davis. Yes. Love it. Uh, so they've agreed 
to allow the UC Davis campus to be the host site for the brand new Pioneer League team. <laughs> Have you seen the name? Yes, I've seen it. Yikes. The name of the latest Pioneer League baseball team coming to a Davis, California near you. The YOLO High Wheelers. First of all, first of all, what in the hell is a high wheeler? I, I, I can tell you what it is. Is is it the like 1920s bicycle? <laughs> the handlebar mustaches? With the a, big wheel at the front and the tiny wheel at the back? And a stovepipe hat? No. Um, high wheelers is a reference to the area's biking culture. I was close. So you weren't, you weren't entirely wrong. <laughs> okay, so we have that. The YOLO high wheel come on come on yolo i i think i think it could be a reference you know how like lower downtown denver is lodo right this could be like a reference to like the area but we all know well post 2009 we know what yolo means i have an answer for that too all right let's hear it this is from Daily Sentinel, okay. they talked with the Pioneer League Commissioner. YOLO, it's YOLO County, and that's where Davis is. But it can also be interpreted as... You the, only live uh, once. If you want to do it that way. YOLO! So they have, yeah, so that it's about the bike culture, and it's about, that's the name of the county. Okay, well, so there we there, go. There's some explanations on, on why. All right, last but not least, fourth down. Bucky Brooks has his first NFL mock draft. Broncos picking 12th, mm -hmm. selecting Alabama cornerback Terion Arnold. Okay. Last time, listen, I I bring this up only to say this. The last time that Denver drafted an Alabama corner, it turned out pretty good. It worked out pretty good. It worked out okay. Not bad. Not bad. Okay. The YOLO High Wheelers. So they're going to, uh, if you're wondering when the High Wheelers are going to be uh, in town, August 13th to the 18th, that's when we'll play the Jackalopes. So you've got the Oakland Ballers and now the uh, YOLO High Wheelers. And hey, uh, how about that? the commissioner of the Pioneer League said that um, they're, they're looking at expanding in the mountain region as well, not just out in California. Because remember, they have the Oakland Ballers that were uh, joining the league. And they were going to play a game at where the A's play in the Coliseum on a day or whatever's the, left of it. The day that the A's were not playing there, and the A's tried to tried to stop them from playing there, even though the A's are not scheduled to play there that that day. What are you worried they're going to like tear up the <laughs> furniture or something? I don't know. Oh, okay. So it's uh, time for. The stay in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, it was on this day back in 1982. The 49ers beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Game of first. First Super Bowl appearance for the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. And the first time since... Uh, that neither competitor, first time since, uh, I can remember which Super Bowl, Super Bowl three, I believe, that neither competitor had been there before. First Super Bowl held in a cold weather city, Pontiac, Michigan, at the old Silver Dome. 
and the first time the losing team produced more touchdowns, three, than the team that won did, two. And the first time both teams were coming off losing seasons, it was also the first Super Bowl in the career of Joe Montana. So both teams, long shots to make the postseason, let alone play in the Super Bowl. San Francisco with Bill Walsh in his third year. They went 2-14, and 2-14, and 14 and 6-10 and 10 in their previous three seasons. Cincinnati coached by former Packers lineman Forrest Gregg. They went 6-10 and 10 before going to the Super Bowl. So that was, on this good. Day. that was on this day in sports history. Also on this day, 1999, David Duvall puts together one of the best rounds of golf ever at the Bob Hope Chrysler Classic. Down by seven strokes, shoots a 13 under par 59 to run away with the win. He had zero bogeys, six pars, 11 birdies, and the eagle on 18 to tie the lowest round of golf in PGA history, joining Al Guyberger and Chip Beck as the only men to shoot a 59. David Duvall, who... Uh, his career seemed so promising and then kind of went right in the... Yeah. Just kind of crashed and burned. All right, uh, 9.47. We will take a break. We'll come back and some garbage time. And we'll get to that text, too, that uh, the texter sent in about the show before us, apparently, talking about baseball and not exactly agreeing with some of their uh, their takes. So we'll get to that coming up next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Touchdown every morning. <laughs> The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back in. Jim along with Cake today. Text your call us. Got a few minutes left. 970-242-1340. All right, let's, uh, let's get to the uh, some leftover text here. Uh, See, Roy, I played basketball for Fruit in 67, 68, and Fruit was so small that we had played Grand Junction's junior varsity and still lost. Ooh, ooh, Roy. Sorry, Roy. Let's see. Bronco Sarge, favorite song about Reno is by Wayland. Uh, aptly named Reno. Opening lyrics are as follows. It's no Las Vegas, no Atlantic City. The streets are, are dirty and the girls are cocaine pretty. Put it all on black when there's no place left to go. There's only one road in and one road out of Reno. That pretty well sums up Reno. About damn time a true Rocky in the hall. The original Todd father. Finally something to be excited about as a Rockies fan. Agreed Bronco Sarge. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This was the one. What I'm going to whine about is I woke up early yesterday and listened to the show that is on before your show. One of the hosts said, was saying how ridiculous RBIs and batting averages are. That's an outdated stat. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. He said that it's ridiculous that a player would get credit for a pop-up to short right field but score a run. Isn't the point of the game to score runs? Is this a new generation saying that RBIs and batting average shouldn't count? What's going on? I don't know the full context of that clip. I wonder if maybe there was a little bit of tongue-in-cheekness going on I, I mean i know there are people that feel like wins for pitchers is an irrelevant stat and i i kind of tend to agree i i don't know about that to me a win means that you your team won like your job as a pitcher is to ostensibly stop or not stop but you know Throw the ball in such a way that the other team does not score runs, but you only win games by scoring runs. And 
we live in a day and age now where pitchers don't hit. If I'm a quarterback and I go out and throw four picks, but we still win the football game, I still get a win. I, I just what if I, three I, of those picks were off receivers' hands? <laughs> yeah, but, but also what what if there were plays that the outfielder didn't take a good angle on the balls? A fly ball take, takes a bad angle, but it's not an error because he didn't commit an error, but he just took a bad angle on it and it falls in for a base hit. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think you can't. I agree with what the texter's trying to say. You can't start throwing every baseball stat that we've had out the window. To me, if you make contact and the hit that I have, regardless of how far I hit or whatever, if it produces a run, because I made contact and because I allowed that run to score, I should get credit for that in some way, shape, or form. Sack, fly, whatever. I, Fair I think, enough. I think that's – and then same with being a starting pitcher and, and winning a, a game as a pitcher. I like analytics. I'm not anti-analytic. But also, let's not start throwing out every single stat because we we feel like it sounds too old-fashioned. Why can't we have a marriage of the two? Right. Of tradition and numbers that have been used for decades that make sense and new numbers that add greater context. I was going to say, that to recontextualize. Other, exactly. And give us a better evaluation of players. I, why, why can't we do that? What the hell's wrong with that? Why can't we all just get along? So, Jay Mill, who sent that in, by the way, uh, thank you for texting, and we appreciate that. He also had, I think, I'm assuming it's following up on the players that we had, we think should be in the Hall of Fame. Julius Joe, Barry Bonds, Vinny Castilla, Alex Rodriguez, Pete Rose were the ones he sent in to us. Decent list. Not bad. All right, 955. Uh, do we have anything here? I mean, we're we're about done here. So, do you have, do you have anything for garbage time? Just the uh, let me let me go. What, what we're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. Stanford football put out the announcement of the first date of ACC football: the Syracuse Orange trees versus orange. And the block letter S's squaring off September 20th. And then someone posted it with the caption of, remember the mascot game, mini game you could play in the old NCAA football? Oh, sure. I still, I still have that, that NCAA game. Yeah. Someone posted that with the Stanford Cardinal and the Syracuse Orange going at it. <laughs> it's, it's quite hilarious. The orange takes on the tree. Yes. That's just weird to say. ACC opener. With for Stanford. Stanford. Just wrong. RIP Pac-12. Okay, you, will be, you will be missed. What <laughs> from Marcus. Why can't we just stop changing bleep for the sake of change? Straight I think, to the point. I'm, Marcus, I'm with you. If, if things need to be changed because things haven't worked, okay, I'm good with that. Let's that makes do sense. it. But like I said, with... with with numbers and analytics, how why can't we have a marriage of the two? Why can't the two things support each other? Why and... can't we be friends? Something like Thank that. you. You're welcome. Maybe a cake concert on Friday. Maybe we'll have that on the show. That's our show for today. Back with you tomorrow.